You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of unfortunate. But some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! heels and he still got away <clears throat> unbelievable tisk tisk and to think how tax money goes to pay those jerks you <laughs> that's right hearty bring in the press why don't you what a photo op the councilman and his wacky pal you're no friend of mine Oh, Artie, I'm crushed! How the high and mighty forget! Don't you remember you, me, Sally, and the gang? What are you talking about? I never met them or you. I worked for Beaumont. I didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but you knew about it afterwards and put it to good use, eh? <laughs> what do you want? To find out who's iced the old gang. Haven't you read the papers? It's Batman! <laughs> Wrong! It ain't the bat. Nope, nope, nope. I've seen the guy. He looks more like the ghost of Christmas future. Nowhere near as cute as Batboy. You're saying it's someone else? Yeah. Someone who wouldn't mind seeing our old pals out of the way. <gasps> Maybe. Go. Me too. That's when I thought about you, Arturo. An important, upstanding guy like you could find it awkward if certain secrets were revealed about his past. Wait, you're not saying that I... Mr. Reeves, Miss Beaumont on the line. Beaumont? Not the babe. Oh, you devil. Arthur? Arthur, are you there? Shh. Hello, Andrea. Uh, we're, we're still on for lunch, right? I'm sorry. I, I can't. I got hung up. I'll explain everything tonight, okay? Uh, all right. Uh, I'll, see, I'll see you then. Now, ain't that a co-winky dick? <clears throat> we're talking about the old man and the spawn of his loins just happens to call. Makes you want to 
ought to laugh, doesn't it, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, Bat friends. Welcome back to the Eternal Night Podcast, the one podcast, or not one, but one of many podcasts dedicated to everything Batman, Dark Knight, and Detective related. As you all know, I am your host. Welcome back, and thanks again for listening. If you all want to follow this show, just follow along at TEK underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com, and that's night with a K. Now, as again, as I said, I am your host. My name is Philip. As you all know, unfiltered. Uh, joining me again for this awesome episode, because as I mentioned on our very first episode, the next episode that we're going to do is going to be a commentary of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Now, this movie released, I believe, Christmas Day of 1993. It was one of the only kind of kickstarted or maybe not even kickstarted but it was uh one of the few animated movies released it was really well received but didn't do too well at the box office but again animated movie um very iconic batman movie uh very seminal batman movie for a lot of people uh joining me for this commentary is once again my bat friend my bat brother uh craig blaylock craig how you doing bud doing pretty good i'm excited to watch this it's been probably 10 plus years since the last time i watched this movie you know, I actually intended wholeheartedly to try and sneak in a watch of this movie before we uh, did our commentary, cause just to try and relive the Shirley Walker themes and the awesome voice acting by Mark Hamill and uh, Kevin Conroy, as well as the rest of the supporting cast, um, who escapes me at this moment, but I'm sure they will come up here pretty soon. But yeah, it's it's been quite a minute for me too since I've seen this, but I figured, you know, this is, again, one of the most iconic and original Batman films ever made. And I'd be, uh, I, I feel it's necessary that if we're going to do a commentary of any Batman film, it's got to be this one first. Yeah, totally agree. And thank you again for joining me. I, I much appreciate that. As soon as I threw out the idea that I wanted to do this, you were pretty antsy to do, uh, do the movie. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so I've got it here in front of me, directed by Eric Radomski and Bruce Tim, screenplay by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, Martin Pasco, Michael Reeves, story by Alan Burnett, produced by Benjamin Milnicker and Michael Uslan. So with a voice cast of Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Dana Delaney, Hart Bachner, I hope I said that right, Abe Vigoda, and yeah. And without further ado, as you, if you all have listened to the Superhero Stress Commentaries, you guys know how this goes. Uh, me and my guest, in this case, Craig, we have our movie queued up to a certain point. At the same point, we're both watching this movie on HBO Max. Uh, the real re the reason be is because I only own the physical VHS copy. I have not upgraded to a Blu-ray copy yet. So thankfully, HBO Max is going to provide both of us the opportunity to watch this at the same time. Because Craig, I don't think you have a copy of this either, right? I don't. I used to have the VHS copy as well, and I never got around to doing a Blu-ray copy. Now, this was one of the VHSs that I kind of ran through the ringer, along with uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, as well as uh, some of the other Batman the Animated Series stuff that they had put in VHS form. I don't know yep. about it. The same with you? Oh, yeah. Yep. I This movie was constantly playing at my grandma's house when I was growing up. It's a good movie. I mean, it's nothing short of spectacular it's got a really great villain villains i should say in the form of uh, the phantasm and the joker um but I'm, I'm really excited to revisit this film because it's been it's been quite some time 
So I guess without further ado, uh, I'm going to say uh, three, two, one, play. And then after I say play, we're going to hit play. And then off to the races we go. We'll be watching Batman Mask and the Phantasm. And you will be listening to myself and Craig banter along as we chat through this seminal, iconic piece of Batman's mythology. Well, Craig, if there are any last words, let me know now. Otherwise, I'm going to kick us off. Let's do it. All right. And without further ado, we are going to be doing three, two, one, play. And there's the Warner logo, Time Warner Entertainment. There's Bugs Bunny coming out per usual. Now, that was a staple thing for a lot of these Warner flicks growing up, if I remember correctly. Yeah, anytime you saw Bugs, you knew it was going to be a good movie. Now, they definitely went all out here in the Gotham City. I can even hear just Shirley Walker's just powerful score kick in, even though I'm not I'm not even listening to it, but I can hear it. <laughs> I like the, uh, the subtitles, Song and Foreign Language. Big, bold titles from that nice Batman animated series font, Batman Mask, The Phantasm. Now, they they, they got a little bit of a bit of a budget for, for this. Yeah, $6 million, so that's why... The animation's a little bit more crisp. That's why this opening sequence here is just almost 3D rendered, and it just looks absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I think this was their kind of their first attempt at really kind of experimenting with you know computer animation, and you can totally tell that they're taking every opportunity with it here. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. This is also again just invoking that that Batman the Animated Series neo-noir feel you can definitely see that a lot of this stuff was drawn on black paper conceptually i didn't use a question walker god you can't not love that yep sequence directors kevin altieri boyd kirkland oh man i missed the other two there's always something special too about that red sky that just gave you just the sense of just something big was going to happen with that i feel like the red sky just also gives gotham this really eerie decrepit feel to it that has always stuck and made the city look more darker than maybe talked about amongst common folk huh two casino oh casino parking and then there's a casino right there almost thought there were two different places this was always one of my favorite openings right here this opening sequence with batman and the mafia this is boss sal Yep. Buddy Saul, I mean, not Boss Saul. Ah, just right there. It comes crashing through the window. Oh, man. And, you know, it really doesn't get any better than uh, the way Bruce Tim draws Batman. I mean, yep. you know, I, I'm pretty critical of the yellow oval, but I will say that my favorite yellow oval is probably on this Batman. Yeah. But I do like the way that this is kind of a showcase of Batman pretty much in his prime crashes through a window, takes out all these goons, puts yep. that other goon underneath the table. Like he puts the table on top of the goon. Right and here. Of course. Oh, this Locked is great. Up. And get out. <laughs> yeah, just steps on the guy. Oh, well, the table's on top of him. Now, this is something that's always stuck with me. This, this, this sequence here with where yeah. we get the phantasm introduction. This has always been, very eerie this is a bit of a darker batman the animated series tale rightfully so kind of reminds me of the episodes like um clayface's origin story you know some of those episodes that were just a little bit darker than the average episode uh the two-face origin immediately comes to mind yep the two-face two-parter i should say 
Chucky and boy. that voice, the, yes. that voice through the phantasm is just excellently done. Oh, I love the face, the, the yeah. mask. It's very not. It's like it's like a skull, but it's almost forges a knight's helm, and I, I think that's even creepier. Yeah, to an extent. Just always gave me that sense of like, kind of this comic universe's interpretation of death. Almost, yeah. And you got and see like the little details. You know, he's got that cut on his chin from the glass breaking through. You know, yes. animated shows didn't do that back then. I I, actually, I agree. And this the shot here, even even just the car, like even yeah. changing sequence from the car spinning around, even going into Chucky Saul. And like here, we're about to see him crash over. Oh, this right here, I remember this. The slow yep. shot. This is just something else. Oh man, I'll never forget that car horn blaring. It's loud. And that's when you knew this movie was going to be different because they just straight legit killed somebody. Right, and then you've also got civilians seeing Batman at the site and automatically going to the assumption that Batman was behind this. Him looking at the glass making us know that like this is probably going to be a detective story of Batman. And I also love the shot here of the smoke evaporating out of the exit logo or the exit sign. Uh, exit. That's the exit. It's the exit. I don't know why I try to call it anything else. <laughs> I'm sorry, Councilman, but you can't blame Batman for what happened to Chucky Saul. So this scene actually makes me think a little bit of the Batman because there's that that shot yeah. right there in the trailer where you've got Gordon and the other P GCPD head and they're giving giving a rally on like the the death of the mayor, but that was you know obviously them addressing the this what would what they assume is Batman murdering Chucky Saul, but obviously he did not as we all know. And this to your point, point, this this is great because it's a great showcase of Batman's detective work. Yeah, and I mean, this is the thing that I've always loved. I, I talked about it on the first episode. This is what I love about Batman the animated series. This setting is just perfect for Batman. This kind of I don't even know how to explain it. Noir like. I just this noir feeling to it. It just always to me has fit Batman perfectly. It's very timeless. And I mean that in that the animation and the way they decided to construct the world is it the yeah. feeling you can't help but think of as timeless. I mean, you get the sense that it could take place in a, you know, more modern setting based on the clothes that they're wearing, but also just based on the architecture and the, the cars that they drive, it, you could lead credence that it could take place maybe, you know, somewhere a little earlier in, in our yep. time. And it gives them the freedom to really do whatever they wanted to. If they wanted to have villains that were a little more, you know, supernatural, they could do that. If they wanted to make them more grounded, they could do that. It was really up to them how they wanted to design it. You really get the best of those elements, best of both worlds, I guess, would be the best way to say it in this universe of Batman. And I feel like, you know, this movie does a, a really good job of um, showcasing that as well, considering you've got the Joker on one end and the Phantasm on the other in terms of the antagonist. One, you know, his origin as, you know, commonly hinted at, 
he obviously might have fallen down a vat of acid, skin bleached yeah. white, right? So that's a little supernatural in some senses. But then you've also got the Phantasm, who, uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, is a very human person. Yeah. With the gaunty getup, just like Batman. Now, here is something we also don't see is a woman actually scoffing at Bruce Wayne and tossing a drink at him. Because more often than not, he's always just presented as this playboy who can get any woman he wants. But here you've got one who actually is offended at, you know, being stood up and being ghosted, if you will, by Batman or Bruce Wayne in this case. Then we get the introduction of them talking about Andrea Beaumont, which... right. If I remember right, was never in a comic. I think this was completely original for the movie. Completely original character for the movie, yes. And I just, I love everything about this. This relationship he had and just everything that he's going to go through in this film doing during these flashbacks. I got to say, this, this shot here of him putting the roses on his parents' grave is just... And this is where he meets Andrea. This is what I think is so organic about their relationship is because they've, you know, they're meeting over grief in a sense. Yeah. They both have lost somebody and they both continuously come to the grave sites of the people they lost. And it kind of gives them a bit of a connection right off the bat. Almost immediately. And she knows exactly who he is, of course. Yeah. Now, she mentions being on campus. This is obviously uh, pretty early on in Bruce's college career, I would imagine, maybe. No, no, no. This is, like, right, I would have to say, like, because they took elements of year one. So if he's on campus, he's obviously maybe at Gotham University, maybe just yeah. chilling out junior, senior year or something. I don't know. Because by the end of this, he you know more or less this is year one to some extent he puts on the batman suit in this physique here so yep you'd have to ballpark his age probably oh 25 26 yeah, maybe say, yeah mid to just slightly late 20s yeah definitely and like even here like this conversation that he has with her he's kind of got that playboy bruce attitude but you know earlier there when he was walking alongside her you could tell he was extremely nervous oh yeah so he even here he's kind of developing his kind of his persona well you know i think that's just a testament to conroy as an actor i mean he, he's the he's voiced the character the longest but here he really got to kind of wind the clock back a little bit for batman and bruce wayne and really take him to a bit of a spunkier younger time frame for a little bit i enjoyed that oh this right here this is yep. almost certainly probably one of the largest nods to year one i think yep especially this was that outfit my, this was one of my favorite things about this movie is up until this point and even i mean if we look at the last couple of movies that have come out we've never seen him like trying things out attempting to be batman or what led him to you know go with the suit the fact that he's just, all right, I'm going to jump these guys. I got a ski mask. I'll keep myself hidden. We've never seen this before. And in the 90s, you never saw this. Right. You know, this was really like the origin tale of Batman for Batman the Animated Series. But really, it was also a showcase that, you know, uh, an evolution of sorts. And really, the, the, the closest we've gotten now is Batman Begins, I think. But 
yeah. to, to your point. And I think that, that again, the, the film, the Batman might have hopefully address this is like, we'll see a Batman experimenting with things and see things that do work and see things that don't work much like here in this fight, he's going to find out what will work and what will not work. Yeah. Cause he obviously has no problem taking out these goons. But towards the end of it, he's going to realize something that a key element to his tactics that he is missing, but will come to find out and is very crucial in his ongoing crusade against crime. And I just again, this animation right here, you know, you get that little bit of blacking out from the truck. But I love that because that kind of, uh, you, you know, you see the boxes falling out of the truck as well. This these chase sequences are so damn good. Yep. You got the police, and you got the younger. I always uh, forget Bullock. his name. Harvey Bullock. Bullock. Yeah, the younger version of Bullock seeing him for the first time. Mm-hmm. And little did he know he was going to be encountering this guy a lot more in the future. You know, their relationship is is one I didn't think was so fluid because to me it's always been a- animosity, just based on the show alone. But then you know you kind of venture on into the comics and. Harvey Bullock's actually a pretty pretty stand-up character. Here, he's, you know, more or less kind of a jerk to Batman, but that's very key for the character. But in, in comics, that's not always the case. Harvey Bullock's, you know, he's done some shit, and he's got some rough edges, but he's a pretty stand-up cop in Gotham City. Well, and you can see here with this, with their car toppling over, you can tell that was kind of like Harvey Bullock's starting point of, like, not liking these vigilantes. Yep, right. And then, you know, he doesn't have his tools yet. So he uses a hammer. <laughs> we're just going to use a hammer. I'm going to use this uh, hammer that I got out of my toolbox, and I'm going to break this glass open. Oh, crap. Never mind. Now, had he fallen, he would have got ran over. Yep. And there would be no Batman. <laughs> this, I felt, was kind of a risky move for him to take because he's hanging on the front of that truck. Yeah, and come to think of it, I think he he decided later on to put those little spike balls as... as uh, pieces to use in the batmobile i think he yeah. used them in a later episode i could be wrong about that my memory might be messing with me but i think that's what happened to those here come the police better get away ski mask vigilante ah <laughs> uh, young alfred same same exact look, same exact mustache, same haircut, just black hair. That's how you know he's younger. <laughs> so, you know what that tells me? That the five years that he was Batman has given him has given Alfred Gray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the the, the, uh, the very nature of Bruce being Batman has caused Alfred more stress in five years than his entirety of being an MI6 <laughs> agent and all that stuff. That's funny. <laughs> And this is, you know, this is just genuine. I love that also this is kind of a genuine, heartbreaking love story by the end of this movie between the two of them. Well, and it's just, it's refreshing to see him at this point, too, with an extremely confident woman. Yes. Like, anytime you've seen Batman with a woman in, like, the movies, they're always kind of the typical damsel in distress. And Andrea Beaumont is anything but... Now, do you think Andrea Beaumont's nature kind of sets a tone for the women he's attracted to going forward in their vigi- in his vigilante endeavors? Like, say, Catwoman. I think so. Tall, yeah, I, th- I think so as well. 
like the fact that yeah like you were just about to say you know he ends up being attracted to Catwoman he ends up being attracted to Tali Al Ghul very strong women you know and for his playboy persona he's of course you know it doesn't matter they're just they just got to be beautiful women on his arm but when it comes to his actual relationships I think this does set kind of the precedent for it agreed and I oh this say... great thing this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie as mine as well, but I would just like to shout out that um, Ephraim Zimbalist with the voice of Alfred. Just he's one. There was a difference. Uh, there were two voices of Alfred, and I think Ephraim is the latter because he took over from someone else. I could be wrong about that, but I might be. I'm gonna double check on that. But yes, you're right. Keep talking about this graveyard sequence. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, just everything about this scene. Just the dark colors. You know, the sh- the shadows on their faces. He's going over here to the grave, and in a second here, we're going to see the phantasm pop in again. And it just, everything about this is just wonderful. You know, talking crap to Chucky Soul, and then okay. next thing you know, here comes his reckoning. So the first three episodes of Batman the Animated Series, the voice actor of Alfred is played by Clive Revel, and then Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. took over following that oh wow so he he took over pretty early yeah and he's been he was the voice of alfred into superman the series and things like that as well but you're going back to this this is one another sequence pretty much every sequence involving the phantom the phantasm wow the phantasm is always visually kind of stuck with me in yep. that it's it's almost like uh it, it, there are elements of uh year two and the reaper here i've uh, from what i recall reading about in my in my research of this movie i don't have year two matter of fact maybe when i go to the comic book store tomorrow i'll get year two anyway um any sequence involving the phantasm in this movie i could probably pluck out and frame it and stop yep. it and, and like hang on my wall because i just love this decrepit dr- dreadful visual imagery especially here you know with um Oh, what is what is what is this mook goon's name? Um, uh, Bronski. Thank you, Bronski's, and like we've got like that right of, there. Yeah, goes the pole goes right through him. Just disappears in the smoke. I love that, and the the the, the fact that the phantasm chases brought Bronski here in this graveyard. Like this is actually a pretty great Halloween movie watch, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. Like of of the few Batman movies that have like a, you know. Halloweeny feel now with Long Halloween Part Two out. Um, I would say that this um, Batman Dracula, the Batman vs Dracula, and um, now Long Halloween's one part, Part One and Part Two would probably be a pretty solid Halloween watch if you ask me. Well, and like right here too. I mean, this—if you think this about is... it—this <laughs> is. I mean, this movie is about Batman trying to stop a serial killer. That's essentially true. Yeah. Because the Phantasm is not trying to get these guys arrested. He is straight up trying to murder these fools, and he's about to do it again. And this is, hands down, one of the things that stuck with me the most ever since I've watched that movie. This is also when I realized that this movie was a little darker than the animated series. Because you don't push a tombstone on somebody in animation and make it look as, as terrifying as you did and just... I, I gotta say, they they did their job and they did their job well. And once again, all they see is kind of the the cape, so they're automatically assuming it's Batman. Right, right. Ah, uh, yes. 
Salvalestra. At least I believe that's the character's name. Has bats gone bats? <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> that's I funny. love the I love the newspaper articles. I did get it right. Salvatore Valestra, go me. <laughs> There's something always kind of, I don't know, even when I was a little kid, this dude always creeped me out. Just the way he talked and the the way he like breathed into his machine just grossed me out when I was a kid. Oh, you know what? I just remembered Hart Bachner as uh, Arthur Reeves. He's the, the big nose guy here. The Harvey Dent type, but not quite yeah. Harvey Dent. Yeah. Has the bat signal always looked like that in this? Sh in, or mine? I'm pretty sure it's always been like that. That Batmobile's still bitching. Yeah. Nate's coming over here to investigate the murder site. Again, kind of playing into the detective side that we don't really see nowadays. You know, if Matt Reese threw in the Phantasm at some point, at any point he's working on Batman, I'd give that dude all the props. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Like, to your point, this is Batman investigating being a detective. And he even takes the time to visit his parents. I thought that's what was happening, but I wasn't sure. But, of course, he visits his Wayne's the Wayne's grave as Batman. Which, you know... That in and of itself is like, hey, you're kind of giving yourself away there, bud. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh. Oh. Awkward. Oh, that's that's an interesting guy to just be standing around looking at the Wayne's grave site. Huh. And, and you know, and it's in that instances defense i will say that is actually a really great way of someone figuring out that he is batman especially her considering yeah the thing that happens with her when we find out which we'll get to it but look at her she's just so bored here with arthur she's obviously right. just swooning over bruce again yep yeah and see even the just these simple shots the transition and the rain and the lightning and just everything about this was so beautifully shot for an animated film. Nobody pay attention to the bats in the window. Nobody pay attention to Batman in the window using binoculars. <laughs> binoculars. Just being <laughs> lightweight, low-level creeper there. <laughs> Somebody else looking out from their table. Anybody else seen this shit? God, every time those eye, every time those eyes thin in the show, you just know he's just he's not happy. <laughs> yes, because now he's thinking back to a time when he was happy. Yep. And I gotta say, this right here, this little Gotham, future of Gotham, and the nods that of what we will see, of what's to come. I yep. loved all of this. This as a kid to me was like it was almost like going to Tomorrowland at Disney World. Yeah, it really was. See, World of the Future. It's <laughs> pretty yeah, the close the kids fighting in the background <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see again this is what I love about the setting it's just this kind of not quite futuristic not quite present and really not quite past it's just a blend of everything 
it's to the point where they kind of forged their own timeline. You know, you could see yeah. the evolution of where this could go. And honestly, if you look at Batman Beyond, they pretty close. Yeah. Not quite, but pretty close. And I love this here. The the yeah. the, he's the like, Do you think we'll see any of this in our lifetime? And he's like, Oh, oh that's yes. interesting car. I love that. I love that car. I love the proto Batmobile. And I love that it's red. I don't know why, I just do. Anyone's in particular. See, and this is where the where Bruce also, you know, eventually will learn the, the tough lesson of like love and justice. Yeah. Like the choice he chooses to make between the two. And I I love that it's again, it comes from a place of it's organic, especially with Andrea. On just the fact that he's going to have to sadly come to realize that you can't juggle the two. Yes. And if you try, it's just going to lead to more and more problems. I, you know, now that I'm watching this again, I completely forgot about this. I totally forgot about her father. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just completely didn't even cross my mind now that I'm re-watching this. Mr. Carl Beaumont. See, you can see he's a nerd because he has overalls. This is my understudy who will never date my daughter. <laughs> as much as he tries. Too funny. Too, too funny. And even in this just this brief introduction of him, you just get the sense that, you know, him him and Andrea have a good relationship, that she that he matters a lot to her. And he's just even though he's a businessman, he clearly cares about his daughter. And then you got these guys showing up. Ah uh, yes. Now, I think that's Salvalestra. Yep. That's a that's younger Salvalestra. Yep. And there's a reason why he's got, you know, oxygen, because he smokes all, yeah, smoke all the time. But then there's another goon here. Yep. Now this goon, he's got a pretty familiar nose and pretty familiar snarky smile, I would say. Yep. Yep. But I love that they don't the movie doesn't really pay attention to him, and that's that's one of the best things about it. You know, you, know, you get that brief little clip of him, and that's, I mean, we, what, we see him in maybe one more scene? I think so. I think we do see him as the goon in one more scene before we see who he becomes. But here, this sequence here, I actually like because it shows Bruce what you want to do, you cannot do it as Bruce Wayne. Yep. Boom. Football tackle. Pretty much, yeah. Well, he's also trained in jujitsu. He's just yeah. tossing you off the bridge like nobody's business. No, <laughs> that's great. And I mean, he did okay at first, and then they got on their motorcycles, and then the chains came in, and yeah. See, he underestimates one of them, and I don't remember which one he underestimates. I think it's the yeah. one with the club that he underestimates. I love this though. 
the jumping kick. Ah, uh, yes. And bam. Right in the <laughs> oh, face. Now, I think his motorcycle, his bat cycles are actually based, uh, they could just be a similar thing, but yeah, yeah. Th this is where he... Yep. Oh, that's it. Yeah, he got distracted by Andrea. Yep. Ah, breaks the back across the chest. And Buddy Boy picks up all the money and takes off. And then, see, that's the other thing I like is they treat him very human in this show. I mean, he took one, and granted it was on a motorcycle, but he took one baseball bat to the stomach, and that was it. He just he couldn't do any more. Well, not only that, you know, he let himself get distracted by Andrea, and that really yep. ultimately kind of kind of messed him up. Yep. But again, you know, in that moment when he's fearing for her safety as well, it's like that that goes for any hero with any kind of sidekick or anyone in in wake of like a, a serious moment of of um contention or conflict. Like you have to be aware and be weary of someone who may not be as keen with their defenses as you are. You not to say that Andrea couldn't take care of herself, but when you got like three or four guys and one's holding a chain and a bike, like course and this struggle that he's going through realizing that he has to choose one or the other that yep. he can't he can't do both yeah, alfred said like well crap what do i tell her <laughs> uh he's busy he's in the shower this is what i love right here Where this he scene conflict yeah where he's in the rain and he's literally apologizing to his parents, basically saying, like, I want to be happy and I feel terrible that I can't do what I wanted to do in the first place because I'm genuinely happy. Right there. I need it to be different now. It's so, again, like, to see a man choose happiness... Oh, uh, right there. I didn't count on being happy. Yeah. That's gut-wrenching. And the way he goes about to ultimately choose that happiness, and then, unfortunately, that happiness comes in a different way, it's just so tragic. Yeah. Because this is, this is a man who's just been through, you know, you lose your parents as a child. That is something that I'd imagine no one could ever get over. Yeah. And there's the famous sad Batman meme. <laughs> That's that kind of scene right there where he was in the rain pleading with his parents' grave. That's the kind of stuff I wish they would put in the live action films. That's the kind of conflict I want to see Bruce Wayne going through. I honestly think that's part of the reason why we like Batman v Superman so much because yep. of his connection with his parents there and how strong of it is in that universe going forward. But here now we've got a spooked Sal Valester going to Arthur Reeves of all people, which you got to imagine where, where did his gray hair come from? In, <laughs> you know, like five, 10 years. Like what, 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 what kind of stress was he under? Yep. I mean, it just shows what smoking will do to you, I guess. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, God, yeah, see, man, that cough. 
that yeah i'm so always grossed me out as a kid i'm so glad i quit smoking <laughs> one year this october uh this scene right where he's about to shut the door this oh uh, that look yeah <laughs> 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 I've always really loved his back computer. Oh, O'Neill Fundicore, Adam's Tool, O'Neill and Adams, Denny O'Neill. Yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah, I love that. I think I told you I met Neil Adams once. Great guy. Well, Great artist. Out. You got Alfred, you know, cleaning the swords in the background. For some reason, Batman needs a couple swords just hanging up in the background. I find it so funny that people get offended when Batman has, like, you know, other weapons, you know, up for decoration in his Batcave. It's just like, he, he's traveled across the world. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to collect a few trinkets. I just, man, I, I don't know what it is, but I love it every time I see BTAS Batman jump in the Batmobile because of the way the cape just does a giant U. Yeah. It's so good. Well, and the way the doors slide open on that Batmobile mm -hmm. is just the best. Yeah, that's true, too. The way the, the front hatch just slides forward, just, yeah, so good. Good old Sal Valestra. Oh, look at those guys, huh? Oh, they look familiar. Yeah. Too bad he's not focusing on someone just above Andrea's father. Exactamundo. And see what you know now that we're rewatching this. One thing I've noticed: every time he's in a scene with Andrea, minus the scene in the rain, it's always bright colors, a little more color to the background. He's in color. He's in color, and just everything is just a little bit lighter and happier. And he proposes to Andrea. Yeah, I got it. And that, that shot right there of the ring, to your point, that's where you can see where the budget went. They definitely put a lot of detail into that <laughs> yep. shot. Yep. <laughs> Probably good. 250000 right there. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And again, something we've never seen. We've never seen Bruce propose. We've never seen him intend on marrying someone. And bam. The bats. Almost as if his parents are throwing their guilt at him. Potentially, yeah. Or as if to say, like, yeah, you're happy now, but there's something coming. So I do believe this is where we see the last yes. goon the last time as a goon. Yep. yep. Now, Bruce and Andrea pull up to Andrea's home. They know that her father is now being visited by... Uh, Business partners. Business partners would be the best way to say it. You're right. I almost tried to list them off one by one, but I feel like that's a waste of time. And there he is, that mm -hmm. other goon with that wicked smile. And he flicks his cigarette right at Bruce. Now, that's, there's some irony if I had ever seen it, huh, Craig? Right. And I love uh, this, too. Yep, finding the Batcave. Yeah. Because, again, once again, that's what I love about this freaking movie. Just stuff we've never seen before. And this right here, this I remember this breaking me as a kid. Because it's just it just yeah. sucks, right? Like, it's it's the equivocal of getting dumped. It's the equivocal of a girl telling you, no, I'm not interested in you. But this is, like, on the adult level of yep. heartbreak. Just absolute, 
utter distraught devastated like what do i do now and now he knows what he needs to do and that's the hurtful truth about this all is like he needed that to push him to this and i mean for you younger listeners you know that was the equivalent of like a uh, breakup text (laughs) no no communication just a piece oh here we go my favorite shot in the film my god putting that suit on for the first time doesn't even say anything just puts his hand out hands him the cowl and he looks at it it, puts it puts it on turns around and here we go i just love the look on alfred's face he's like my god god oh man that scene gave me goosebumps when i saw this in the theater so you spook alfred as a man in a cave there you're bound to spook the criminal lot and the cowardly lot the superstitious because i mean for people that don't really know alfred uh alfred's seen some stuff yeah, you know, they don't go too much into Alfred's backstory here in the animated series, but they do drop yeah. hints in there, here and there. I think. Could be wrong. Oh, and there we go. The introduction of someone very special. Oh, yes. That's right. Quite, quite possibly one of the most iconic characters in any show ever. <laughs> And it's kind of fitting that he would kind of hold himself up in Gotham's World's World's Fair, like the the, the remains of what was Gotham's World Fair. And there he is, Mr. Mark Hamill. Playing the one, the only, clown prince of crime, the Harlequin of hate, the Joker. Now, it's pretty much implied that the Joker is the last goon. He was that yeah yeah he was the one who flicked the cigarette at bruce and and it's pretty ironic and telling that 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 would go this far that they don't even realize it and i think that's the funnier part is like they don't even realize that they're battling one another and they don't even care and this is what i love about this joker the most is he's genuinely funny yeah his mannerisms his dialogue the way he inflects on certain things, the way he acts like a kid. That's what I love so much about this Joker is he has fun with everything he's doing. You know, no, no hate on like Heath Ledger's performance and everything. I thought, of course he did an absolutely amazing job, but he was just genuinely menacing the entire time. This Joker, you can actually laugh like right here with the dog. Yeah, don't mind my home security system. Because it's ridiculous, but it's funny. Yeah. Rusty. (laughs) Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. Mm. He has has so much fun with it. And that's what I absolutely love about this Joker. I think what makes this Joker so stand out and so memorable is just... There's so much visual distinction with him along with Batman. You know, you've got him in his iconic purple suit. He's got an orange undercoat, and he's just got a big white, fa- big big white smile, like big white face, green hair with the pint of black. Which I actually really like the way they did his hair yeah. throughout the series. And that you know they didn't make it completely green; they just kind of threw a hint at it, but it made it more black and green. But you could still kind of tell it's green. 
see like right there just a childish like oh wouldn't it be great if he's finally gone off the deep end he just he loves every second of being just a crazy villain and he and he scoffs at the idea of more money he's like i don't give a shit about yeah. that yeah i don't care about money <laughs> like i just want to have fun and to quote batman he's like he's a psychopath a yeah. monster because look at it look at this like right here right yeah. here don't touch me old man and then he just follows it up. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> He's a sociopath. He, gets, he, get, he has that hint of just anger and evil. And then he just follows it up with a quick joke. You know, there was a podcast that I haven't listened to in a while, but I used to listen to avidly when I was a janitor. And it was called uh, The Arkham Sessions. And Dr. Andrea Latimendi would go and psychoanalyze all of the Batman characters. I don't think she ever gave like a definitive diagnosis for the Joker. Because hmm. he is just that clinically, undescribably insane. Because of how many different, um, just how many different mannerisms, how many different uh, um, emotions, and how many different just levels of insanity he displays. It's just very tough to pinpoint where any of his disorders could spawn from. Whereas, yeah. you know, Batman, it's, it's definitely a little little more um not not quite as complex i will say but you can definitely see that these are two very all of them honestly you know very broken people by trauma to some extent yeah. or another what a traumatic ass care what i love here she is not intimidated by him whatsoever yeah you know now that you mentioned it, i never noticed that before but you're right she is not scared of him. Even when she turned on the light, like she kind of jolted back just like a smidge. But she has given no craps about the fact that she's got Batman in there. I love her rebuttal. You know, he says you're still being controlled by your father. And she goes, you know, the only one in this room being controlled by his parents is you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, damn, she just told you about yourself. And then the strong character breaks down because she knows what is going on right now and now she is gonna you know inevitably well yes yeah. we're, we're getting there <laughs> let's just say that hint I, I didn't notice this in the dialogue just now when she when arthur was taking her back to her place and he asked we could stay up and talk for a while and her response was no Artie, i got a killer day tomorrow oh never never noticed that now here, this is, I remember being, I mean, the the sequence itself isn't funny, but I remember the funny irony in that, you know, the phantasm comes yep. and it's been had. It's <laughs> a big joke now. Yep. Joker with that early Skype technology. <laughs> right. You know, I also wouldn't put it past the Joker to, you know, give a, give Sal Valestra a perma, perma smile. That definitely yeah. seems like something he would do. And then blows Parpin up promptly. Yeah. Gotta say, now that I'm looking back at it, this movie's got a big body count. <laughs> for a an little anime. bit. And I will say that is that is one hell of a showcase of an explosion. Just yeah. Just one apartment building. And here comes the Batwing. Okay, there was... I don't know if it was intentional, but there was a slight nod to Batman 89 there with the Batwing going in the moon. I saw that too. Yep. I think that was intentional. <laughs> it might have been. 
I love how the smoke just always stays right with the phantasm. The detail on the Batwing in this is just yep. amazing. He is booking it. How is it running so fast? I don't know. <laughs> superhuman or something? That shot well, of Batman. That's the thing I like because it's never explained. You, okay. so, how is the Phantasm running so fast? So that shot of them facing off, a friend of mine, uh, ZebraFed on YouTube, he actually did a, uh, an updated image of um, you know Batman and Phantasm per uh, the, the new Batman adventure. So he put Batman in the gray suit. It was really awesome. He showed me oh, that'd adventure. be interesting to see. Yeah. Oh no. They got the they Batwing. confiscated my Batwing. <laughs> but like that's one thing that I like is you never find out how was the Phantasm able to pull off some of those things, like the really fast running. Why did the smoke always stay on him? Why was he able earlier in the film when Bronski threw that weapon at him? How was he able to just disappear, have it go through it, and reappear again? You never know. You know, I don't even think they're uh they're even doing that right now because um there's a maxi series that's that's out that's in the works or it's being distributed by uh the black label continuity uh tom king and clay man are writing a story called batman catwoman and mass the, the phantasm andrea beaumont reprises her her appearance there like they they really? put they put the character into, into that story and um i don't know i don't remember because i'm uh it's been a while since i've been to my shop okay, i've had a lot of stuff going on you know craig but i'm going there tomorrow before i go see the suicide squad i'm going to pick up a lot of stuff Batcat is one of them and the par part of the reason why is because of the fact that the phantasm is a character in that book and i love that because of this movie interesting i had this movie. no idea yeah. that the phantasm was going to be in a comic book again Mm-hmm. yeah i think uh when i go tomorrow I, sh I should be up to issue six on that I love this whole sequence here where he this... is just doing everything he can to get away from the police, and they're just throwing everything they can to try to catch him. Well, this is also, again, another nod to year one. Yeah. Because in that story, the same kind of thing happens. The police ambush Batman into a busted building, and Batman basically has to deceive his way out of it. When you got this dude, Trigger Happy, just unloading his machine gun while no one else is shooting <laughs> <laughs> and you know to your point you know we see we see like batman cut up he's got blood on him like yeah this, this is actually like this is what happens when batman doesn't take everything into account or he's genuinely caught off guard because yep. he's human he can't rely on his you know his vehicles he's got to figure this out on his own his wit and intuition i always loved the grappling hook in the animated series i did too not a single bullet touches him. Well, he didn't. Surprise! <laughs> it wasn't him. That's the thing. I remember. I remember when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is he doing? He's going straight into all that gunfire." Oh wait. I like how he just kind of jumps down a a giant crane. You'd have to yeah. think like if he wasn't wearing gloves, his hands would be burned. And he's taking that huge risk. He doesn't have his cowl on. Yeah, exactly. He's taking a huge risk right now, jump, running away from the police without his cowl on. And sure enough, who comes to save him? Andrea Beaumont. Yep. I mean, he's just lucky this all happened at night. If he this was in the true. daylight, he'd be screwed. This is very true. And Bullock's just pissed. <laughs> Sweating. Just pissed.
you know, I don't know what it is, but there's always something so interesting about seeing, like, Batman half-suited up and then half-bandaged. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just always find that that interesting because he's always, it just kind of shows him always being in the mode and being in the mission and being about the mission. Yeah. Even while in recovery. And this is where he pieces together who the Joker is. Well, and also where he finds out what exactly happened after he drove off. Mm-hmm. And again, this has got to be another part of his guilt because knowing Bruce, you know, oh, had I waited just a few more minutes or had I gone in there with her, I could have done something. Oh, Bronsky. There's Bronsky. There's Chucky Saul. Ugh, the way he's like holding her close to his face, just ugh. Velestra. I like how they just nod at each other. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that. Yeah. And I hate that because I used to do that to people, and that's a <laughs> rude, rude thing to do, and I, I just feel awful that I used to do that to people. I didn't do it often, but the fact that I did it just just a terrible thing to do period so yes i'm a terrible person for anyone who seeks that validation <laughs> oh and that threat that he said i'll have your heart in my hand that's just that's a chilling one that kind of makes me think of dumb and dumber but in much more graphic <laughs> yeah not quite the goofy jim carrey putting it in a doggy bag way exactly And right here, she has, and kind of along with what, actually, now that I think about it, kind of going along with what Bruce was going through, she has a chance at happiness, and this situation happens. Now, granted, in Bruce's situation, his parents were gunned down, but in this situation, her father's life is at stake. Very true. Very, very so true. It's, it's actually very interesting watching this again and kind of putting those pieces together. And then they thought they could get away. He embezzled into a fortune. Wanted interest, interest. compounded in blood. Oh boy. The level of detail on their on the characters and just how blue her eyes are. Yeah. Stunning. And just everything, the details and the facial expressions, the minor details, whenever there's like an action scene going on, there was just so much effort put into this. Alfred once again, oh man, I gotta stop walking in on this. And that's the second time it's actually an, yes. through another door on the yes. other side. It's a parallel. It's funny. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think we've ever seen such a nice shot of Wayne Manor either out by the cliff side. We don't really yep. get to see that too often. It's usually just kind of Wayne Manor by the cliff and, you know, one singular shot. This, this, you actually get a couple different views of Wayne Manor. And look at this. Once again, a scene with him and her together. Bright colors, it's sunny out. 
never realized she wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> just now realizing that? I never noticed that when I was a kid. <laughs> that was one of the few things I recognized as a kid. <laughs> That's when you're like, huh, girls are interesting. Uh, something to that effect. <laughs> oh, poor Bruce. Skulks back as into his as, Yep. And literally, as soon I loved that shot because literally, as soon as he walks through the door, he goes from extremely happy to just guilt ridden despair. I love her. Maybe after this is settled. Oh boy, you're in for a show, Bruce. And then he looks at the picture of him and her and looks up at his parents and he's like, maybe. And then this, I think, is where he has the realization. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's it's it's, oh, it's a red pencil. It had to be a red pencil. And right here, this gave me chills. The laugh. Oh, man. That creeped me out when I was a kid and I saw this for the first time. You know, I love Mark Hamill. I do. I love him in this role. I would still love to hear what Tim Curry sounded like as the Joker. Yeah, for real. But I guarantee you, I don't think it would be as as taxing or intimidating as this delivery that's coming up right here. And that well, that yeah. shot right there is wicked evil of the Joker. Yep. Want a photo op? <laughs> wow. Is a wacky pal. <laughs> oh, Artie, I'm crushed. And Mark Hamill's voice work with this character is just, just something to be amazed by. I worked for Beaumont. I didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but you knew about it afterwards. I love how he tips his hat up with a knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little details. Eh, wrong. <laughs> he looks like a ghost of Christmas, Christmas future. future. <laughs> That's exactly what he's saying, Arthur. It is so much <laughs> Arturo. <laughs> wow. Again, that's to your point, man. This is just Mark Hamill just having a blast giving yep. this character the life that I, I feel has the bar so high for the character of the Joker. Like, that's the bar. It's not trying to look like Mark Hamill. It's not trying to be like Heath Ledger. It's not trying to be as wicked sophisticated as Jack Nicholson. I think it's truly to like try and capture the same life energy as Mark Hamill does when he plays the Joker. That's yep. what you have to live up to. Again, just that. See, like, even right there, just a quick head nod. But he's so damn happy when he nods his head. Because <laughs> everything's funny to him. I don't. And, but, and that's but then just... look, look how scared he is because he knows what the Joker is capable of. Mm hmm. This and right even here. though he's being goofy, and even though he's being funny, and yeah. That laugh company with that visual is just yep. terrifying. 
I still get chills thinking about that. That's probably like Mark, one of Mark Hamill's like darkest moments yeah. as his version of the Joker. Probably next to when he uh, turns Tim Drake into Joker Jr. But this is definitely. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think we ever saw how he gave people this this these laughing fits. Um, I think... because you notice how the screen pulled away and you just saw their shadows. So you're like, what did did he inject him with something? Did he? What exactly did the Joker do? to cause that um i think in the laughing fish it's exerted through a gas accompanied with a couple of other things but that's all i remember i don't know i'd have to do a re uh, rewatch the series again because uh my memory's a little funny foggy on those details now this right here is just spooky as all hell because batman yeah. just shows up <laughs> out of nowhere opens the window and then reeves is like ah! He's like he's because he doesn't uh -oh. know what to do. <laughs> he's oh no. <laughs> he thinks you're involved. Why? I don't know. Love how blunt Batman's just being. That's not the answer that I want. I don't care if you're suffering right now. Tell me what I need to know. And look at that, the only color in this entire shot is his tongue. Yep. Their tongues. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. That's a good catch, yeah. Craig. There's literally no other color in this, this entire shot from the moment he enters the room. It's black, white, and red. Wow. You're right. You could argue there's some like hues of blue in there, but mostly, yeah, it is just black, white, red. That's something. Oh, poor councilman. That cape, man. Every time that cape comes into the picture. I just, just love silhouetted Batman. Yeah. Well, just that cape, every time... It's one of the only shows I've seen where, like, an animated cape has weight to it. Like, mm. you feel when he lands, you feel that cape flop behind him. You actually can hear it hit the ground occasionally, too. Yeah. You don't see too many telephones like that anymore. Nope. <laughs> Wish you did. <laughs> I forgot it was the Joker on the Oopsie. other line. <laughs> Sending you a fun gift. Airman. Oh. Oh. I know what that means. <laughs> yep. Joker bomb. Via drones before drones were a thing. Again, man, Joker with that future technology. We saw him earlier with Skype and Zoom. Now he's he's got drones. Operator, my body's been disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> that one always made me laugh. I don't know yeah. why. Might just be his delivery of it. Might just be the way that it's set up. I don't know. I, I always just love that line. This right here I love too. Batman never figured out who the Phantasm was. And we're shown who the Phantasm is. We're shown it before it's re it's revealed to him. Oh, this right here is just downright heartbreaking because she comes to her 
humble abode elsewhere. Yeah, but it's in the Mediterranean where yeah. they thought they could get away. He just picks up an apple. And she screams. And again, that kind of sense of what did he do? Like, well, it, all that the all that you're imply all that's implied is that obviously the Joker killed, <laughs> yeah, uh, Beaumont, or at least yeah. you know before he was the Joker, he obviously did did the deed. So yeah, but it's just like, what did he do to him to kill him? Is the question it, enough to make him be the last one? That yeah, Andrea Beaumont goes after so. You, know, you get food and company shows up. I love the jokes in this movie. <laughs> I love that his relationship with the robot, he treats it like a real... I just always thought that was funny yeah. as hell. <laughs> Costume's a bit theatrical, but who am I to talk about? <laughs> Where does the smoke come from? Exactly. That's what I want to know. Where does the smoke come from? From the phantasm. Oh. <laughs> Acid. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. And there goes her weapon. Yeah, her little hook hand. And the Joker does not care about hitting a woman. <laughs> and she doesn't care about a little groin shot. <laughs> As she shouldn't. I mean, you know, kind of fighting to the death there yep and then he turns his robot wife psychotic now yeah i wonder that technology how did joker joker's got the technology to turn his uh robot into a psycho killer you got to figure the the operating system behind. i that. love it's this gotta be pretty simple oh she just backhands the shit out of and him he's reaching yeah. for the cleaver and you're like oh I, and he hits her with the baloney <laughs> that's what the joker does laughing while he does it oh sorry wrong universe <laughs> i would really love to wander through this field yeah how did she get you know what never mind i'm just gonna not ask. see again yeah yeah how did she teleport like that we never find out where does she get the smoke no now knows. this i found of all things I love in this movie, this is probably one of the only few things I'm, I'll pull a call stretch because I don't think a turbine would be that powerful. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Then again, though, I mean, if the Joker's got the the know how to turn a robot into a psycho killer, maybe he can mess <laughs> uh, with the turbines electronics enough to do it. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, if he's wandered through all of Gotham's World's Fair, he's probably yeah. found like. Ooh, Batman on a boat motorcycle. Love that. Um, yep. You've got to figure he's probably like dicked around with all the technology. Batman's like, what the hell is Andrea doing here? And he sacrifices his motorcycle. <laughs> I know. To save the love of his life. That's a boss move right there. At least I think that's how it happened. It hasn't happened yet. Yep. Yep, there it goes. Boss move. Wait, man, he he pulled that off at just the right moment, too. <laughs> I mean, he's Bruce Wayne. He can afford to make more, and he obviously does. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the Joker just like, damn. God, rat. <laughs> I 
I like how Batman just figures it all out right there on the spot. I know. <laughs> and see, and here, again, another conflict. Both of them had these tragedies happen to them. Batman, though, cares more about justice, where she cares about vengeance. vengeance. Right. And it gives him a glimpse as to what he could have become if he had given in to that vengeance side. <sighs> and she disappears in the smoke. Still don't know Once how that again. happens. How does that go on? <laughs> Would ah. really love an elaboration on that at some point. I love this whole sequence. Batman and the Joker. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> and I love it, too, because Batman gets roughed up pretty good in this. Oh, they... they... <laughs> the WB, WB logo. <laughs> yeah, of course. You're right. You know, they, they really do kind of... You know, they fight... And they mess each other up pretty well in this fight, too. If I remember right, Batman punches a few of the Joker's teeth out. I think so. There he is with his technology again. He just, he knows everything about this park, apparently. I mean, again, if you're wandering through it and you take the time to do whatever you want, it's going to, you know, you'll find, you'll figure your shit out eventually. Oh, Bam. that had to hurt. Okay. Yep, there it goes. He kicked one Not tooth out there. Kicked the tooth out. I think he loses one or two more. Yeah. And again, blood, something we hadn't seen before. Yeah, I don't think they, they showed too much blood in the animated series. Mm -mm. Ah, man, yeah. that's got hurt. <laughs> that's like getting hit by a weed whacker line after yeah. it gets cut off after you hit it thick branch that's what that probably felt like and i love that the tooth got knocked out and it actually it's like part of his front teeth so you're just constantly seeing joker now with this missing gap tooth <laughs> yeah tooth. man he's just getting cut up everywhere and he's like you know what to hell with it i'm just gonna hit him yeah screw it i'm punching him <laughs> i think he takes two of them and puts them in his cape you gotta wonder how hard is his punches though that he yeah there it goes yep that he took smashes, one of them out yeah. with a punch. And then just flips the cape back on. I love that. Oh, 20 miles filled with explosives. That's rough. That's going to wake up the city. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now this shot right gotta, here. I just, yeah. It's so damn good. The in-between of, like, showcasing Batman in a shadow and coming out of a shadow. Beautiful. You gotta imagine how much explosives did Joker put to do 20 miles worth of explosives? How long was he setting this up? Okay, I don't know about you, but ever since I saw the Joker have this, I always told myself, I want a jetpack. <laughs> yeah. Because this just looks like so much fun. And you, you're gonna wonder too, Joker. Where are you going? <laughs> exactly. Like, where is he gonna go? <laughs> oh, and this whole thing with them flying around. Oh, I love this. Where did he find a purple helmet? 
Oh, I love that. Bam. <laughs> Doesn't even say a word. Just Joker's sitting there man. talking to him, and he's just like, nah, I'm just going to punch you. Yeah, I got to admit, they're fighting the, in the air is nothing short of comical, but very intricate, to say the least. Oof. Just flying all over the damn place, and then straight through. <laughs> oh, man. Man, they really did a number on each other in this. I forgot how brutal this fight was. Oh, yeah. Joker yeah, they... messed up. Full once I'm stuck without a punchline. And Andrea just comes back out of nowhere. Uh -oh. <laughs> and he finally, he finally surrenders. Yeah, that's not, that's not happening, Bruce. One way or another, it ends tonight. Oh, Andrea. It would be and in the oven. Of course, the explosive started in the oven. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> TNT. Was that a flash symbol on top of that? Uh, it might have been. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Do you think these explosions are what inspired Michael Bay to give his oh, movies explosions? Probably. I mean, look at this. I mean, he literally <laughs> destroys the entire park. And the Joker is just absolutely uh, ecstatic at all of it, laughing his ass off. Oh, Batman. And again, where did they go? What did she no do with idea. the Joker? Well, he obviously got away and got a replacement tooth because we see him later on in the series. Yep. And that's what I got to wonder. How did he get away from her when she clearly has him? He is the Joker. Yep. And that is quite the mess that's going to have to get cleaned. It's still blowing up. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. That's almost like a reverse shot of, like, the Joker coming out after getting his acid bath. It's Batman coming out after a giant explosion and just seeing all the, the just destruction and mayhem. Yep. Couldn't save her, Alfred. And then once again, again, riddled by more guilt, the fact that he couldn't save someone he cared about. But then Alfred reinforces, like, you know, vengeance turns the soul dark. You know, there even if you wanted as much as you wanted to, I don't think there's anything you could have done to truly save her. But I love that line. You walked the edge of the abyss and thankfully you haven't fallen in yet. The look on his face, man, just, oh, on this, this shot, just, the shot coming up here in a second just yeah. destroys you on a personal level, if you really feel yep. for Bruce Wayne. Just this shot right here, just, mm. Reaches in, uh, the locket. And just further just realizes what he could have had. Reinforcing the choices that he's made. Everything that led up to that point. And of course, she's on a yacht. Yep. Got party boy here. Yeah, this goon. 
with a little <laughs> jughead hat on. Party hat. Yeah. I'm going to swoon this woman. It's like, no, you're not. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like, look at her. What do you <laughs> think, dude? Um, the score once again. Shirley Walker, man. Rest in peace. I I just love the music. The animated series, this movie, the score is just absolutely fantastic. Now this right here, he opens his eyes. The signal yep. flicks on. He looks up. Pans over. There's the signal. He realizes this is what I've chosen and this is what I'm going to do. It's like, this is my life now. I am Batman. And that badass grappling hook once again. Flies in. Bam. Ah, man. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, ladies and gentlemen. What a film. An excellent film. Absolutely astounding. Kevin Conroy is Batman. Danny Dana Delaney is Andrea Beaumont. Hart Bachner as Arthur Reese. If I mispronounce any of these names, I apologize. Stacy yeah. Keach Jr. as Phantasm and Carl Beaumont. Abe Vigoda, Salvatore Valestra. I had no idea that was Abe Vigoda. Dick Miller as Chucky Saul, John Payne as Bronski, Ermit Zim, Erfret Zimbalist as Alfred, Bob Hastings, of course. And Mark Hamill as Joker. Joker. You gotta yeah. give him his own credit. Rest in peace, Bob Hastings, who also voiced Commissioner Gordon, as well as Robert Costanzo, who voices uh, Detective Harvey Bullock. Ah, oh, man, what a film. What an excellent film. What an excellent Batman movie. If this is not in your top Batman films, um... I would kind of question that maybe a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, for me, it's got to be in my top just superhero films in general. Absolutely. I, I would not contest that. It's definitely one of the most iconic films in Batman's mythology. It's definitely made its place in his history. I'm glad it's here. It's a great movie. It's It should actually, you know, I, I, I take that back. It should not. I think that Batman Mask of the Phantasm is just a great template for, like, if you want to try and tell a story of Batman being good at what he does, but still, like, being flawed and having to figure shit out when it doesn't quite work out the way he intends. Yeah. And, I mean, looking at it, <coughs> excuse me, uh, one hour and 16 minutes, so just barely over an hour, they packed a lot into this movie. You could do a deep dive on this movie for days on end because of the amount that you could pick and pull from where it finds its inspiration from. Just like, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think we had a really great conversation, but I think we, we barely even begun to scratch the surface of things. Oh, in yeah. The movie. Barely. I mean, they were able to pack in basically a Batman origin story as well as introduce a new villain. The motivations of that villain throw in the Joker. I mean, there's a lot to this film. There are definitely a lot of layers to this movie. I will agree. Absolutely. And um, thank you again, because I know, uh, you know, we always been talking about Batman and doing a Batman podcast. And it feels great to finally be doing episodes for a Batman podcast. And I'm sure we'll get down to other really awesome Batman movies. But this one, this one was like, it's like the crown jewel of Batman animated movies. And I did not want to miss the opportunity to talk about it. So thank you, Craig. Thank you. I, I, loved reliving this like i said it's probably been probably more than 10 probably like 15 years since i've last watched this 
I've watched this recently, uh, definitely within like the last year or two. Um, I just don't remember exactly when, but I've uh, definitely revisited recently. Outside of that, it was definitely in the same ballpark as Craig. Uh, been a bit of a while. I'm glad to finally revisit it. I needed to needed to rewatch that and just bask in the beauty that is Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. And again, thanks to my my friend Craig here for joining me on this lovely little commentary track that you hopefully you find people enjoy and listen along to if you want to watch a movie along with us. Um, but I think that will do it for this episode of The Eternal Night. Uh, Craig, once again, my man, thank you again for joining me. This was so much fun. I know you've got some plans to get to tonight, so I'm not going to keep you for too much longer. But before we go, uh, what, would you like to indulge our fine listeners where they can follow along with you on? Uh, yeah, so uh, right now I'm only on Instagram at Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E. E-G-A. But now that uh, we're kind of getting this podcast going, I think I'm going to uh, dip into the Twitter world again. And uh, I'll probably, assuming it's not taken already, I will probably use the same mantle. So I'll probably just do at Craigie Omega and uh, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. And if that changes, you'll probably hear it on the next episode of the show. Yep. But again, y'all want to follow Craig, Instagram, and soon to be Twitter, hopefully. Just keep an eye out. If y'all want to follow moi, you can. Just at Unfiltered on Vero, Twitter, Instagram. And again, you can follow along with this show. Just leave us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. T-E-K is capitalized. Once again, everyone, thanks again. Stay safe. I'm your only chance to get out of here. Let me go or we'll both die. Whatever it takes. I'm stuck without a punchline. Uh-oh. Okay. I give up. I surrendered already. Tell her, Batman. Andrea, you've got to get out of here. The place is wired to explode. No. One way or another, it ends tonight. Goodbye, my love. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast.
Thank you.